Council on Public Affairs. My name is Larry Elford. I'm going to be your moderator for today. Does that sound all right, Annalise? We have got a presenter here that I think you'll find interesting. She spoke to us in 2015 when she was heading up the uh, homeless initiative, housing the homeless in Medicine Hat. She was in charge of the Medicine Hat shelter at that time. She gave us a fantastic presentation and uh, some of you might want to ask her about that in the question and answer, I'm not sure, but she's here to talk today about her experience with Lyme disease and she's such an interesting speaker, we thought you'd enjoy that presentation. I'm gonna make a couple of acknowledgements and then I'll get away from this microphone. We acknowledge that our events take place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nation of Alberta. We commit to do our utmost to assist with efforts to mend and heal past and present injustices. So if you are eating lunch today, mm -hmm. if you could put $14 into the little dessert bowl on the table, coffee's only $2 for those who uh, would not like to have lunch, and someone at the table will volunteer and count the money and uh, Annalise will collect it at the 12.30 time, time frame. Uh, the speaking presentation is 25 to 30 minutes with Annalise in charge. It's right on 30 minutes, I should say. And uh, then we'll have break for lunch and do a question and answer after that. And I am going to uh, shorten this even further by just bringing up our speaker. I'd like you to help me welcome Audrey Skoog. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm delighted to be back here again. Um, it's a little bit different for me to be speaking about myself. Um, in the last 20 years, I'm generally talking about uh, my, my grassroots initiatives and my, um, my work in social work. So um, it's, it's a very different thing to be speaking about yourself. So um, first of all, I just want to acknowledge with greatest respect the previous land acknowledgement um, and also with the greatest respect for being back in my hometown. This is where things started for me. This is where my career started and I always have a great uh, affinity, affection and respect for coming back to Lethbridge. Um, so uh, starting out, um, a lot of people don't know what Lyme disease is. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff about it. And I just kind of want to say that I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV either. Um, I'm just basically, I'm a patient. So I want to talk a little bit about what it means to advocate for yourself as a patient and also to live well when you don't feel well because it's possible to still have a fulfilling and meaningful life um, even if your body wants you to do <laughs> otherwise. So back in 2003, um, I, for most of my life, was a, an avid hiker. Um, I was into climbing, scrambling, anything that was on a mountain, you could pretty much find me doing. Um, I was pretty athletic, um, pretty involved in a lot of things. Um, I set out to do a six-week excursion um, where I was just basically backpacking and by myself. Right? I was in my early 20s, and I was like, I just want to find myself because... Let's face it, none of us know anything about anything when we're in our 20s, so <laughs> um, I just wanted to, you know, just go out and just be in nature, and I ended up getting a tick bite. So funnily enough, a couple weeks before at my work, we actually had um, uh, some nurses come in and educate about Lyme disease and what to do if you find a tick. And so I was like, oh, I paid attention to that presentation. I know what to do. Um, so I, I did all the right things. I removed the tick properly, and I put it in a little baggie. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I'm 23. I'm not going to get sick. It's no big deal. And I took it to, uh, I took it to the hospital. 
um, to get sent in and analyzed. And I was basically told, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, we don't have Lyme disease in Alberta, so you'll be fine. Um, they did the test, I didn't hear anything back, so I walked away going, I'm great, everything is wonderful. And then began my very difficult journey of suddenly becoming ill. Um, so it was probably about, I wanna say within the week after that bite, I started to get very odd flu-like symptoms. Um, so I was nauseous and I was very fatigued. I remember being so fatigued that I, was, I had to go to work and I was just sleeping through work. I couldn't even phone in. Like the level, like not the type of fatigue of like you stayed up too late and you're a little tired. It was the type of fatigue where I couldn't even lift my arms to wash my hair. And uh, I thought, well, this, this something is not right here. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Like maybe I have the flu. And so of course I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, you're young and really healthy. You probably just have a bug and it's gonna go away. As time went on, I, get, I, I got sicker and sicker. And um, you know, we all have uh, sort of the expectation, right? That you go to the doctor with symptoms, they figure out what it is, and then you get treatment. Um, and the path didn't look like that for me. So if you're uh, willing to bear with me, I'm just gonna read a little blurb of kind of what things look like for me, because I don't want to miss anything. So I was bit by a tick in 2003, and told not to worry about it. By 2004, I started getting chronic sinus and kidney infections. Um, I began to lose my hair. I had rapid weight loss plus severe flu-like symptoms. I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, colitis, and hyperthyroidism. So at that time, they're like, oh, your thyroid, like your thyroid's too fast, you've got bladder problems. They're like, oh, maybe you have lupus because your dad had lupus. And uh, you know, at the time I was like, I don't think this fits. Like I'm getting so sick so quickly. Um, but you go with it, right? You're like, okay, the doctor knows better than me. In 2005, my thyroid began to completely fail. 2006, I had my gallbladder removed and a large portion of my liver removed due to a non-cancerous tumor. I continued to live and work with dozens of autoimmune system uh, symptoms. So what happens when you get autoimmune illness? For people that don't know what autoimmune illness is, it's basically your immune system attacking your body. It may be certain organs, it may be multiple organ systems, but my immune system began to attack my body. In a normal human being, uh, you experience cell death, your cells will die, and your body will effectively get rid of that. Um, in the case of having autoimmune illness, um, your body, you still have cell death, but your body sees that as a foreign object and will start attacking the cells, and thus attacking you, you get inflammation and just incredible illness. So I began to have dozens and dozens of illness, different illness symptoms, and doctors continued to be puzzled. And uh, I just sort of made the decision. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I'm like, I'm gonna keep living because that's the only choice I have. And I just kept doing things. I just kept working in human services and I traveled the world and I finished school. And uh, you know, I just kind of, I was like, I'm gonna live in spite of what's going on. Um, and things just continued to get worse. So in, uh, in 2007, um, they started to find precancerous cells and then those were removed. Um, and then I started to get neurological symptoms, which they couldn't figure out. I started to get severe depression. I had tremors, I was having seizures, and uh, just incredibly ill, and pushing through every day, feeling that, feeling that way. And um, the funny thing about being a woman is, if you're a female seeking medical care, um, a lot of things get misdiagnosed. So I would hear so many things, right? Like, oh, it's because you have a uterus, it's because you don't have a uterus, it's hormones, it's not hormones, and it always gets attributed 
to something in our bodily systems, right? Which that's not always the case. Females are the most misdiagnosed population because we do have complex, you know, systems. And I, and I get it, a lot of things mimic other things. They kept thinking I had perimenopause. Like I can't even tell you the dozens of diagnoses that they just kept throwing at me, hoping they would stick. And uh, none of them were sticking too well. So in 2013, because keep in mind, I had chronic infections at this point. I was always sick. They didn't know why I was infected. I was getting antibiotic injections. I had to be on IV antibiotics, you know, prior to that. Finally, in 2013, from being on so many antibiotics, I went into what's called antibiotic toxicity, went into anaphylaxis and stopped breathing. And uh, again, was told, we don't know what's wrong with you. It's unfortunate that you stopped breathing, you had the seizure, we don't know what to do with you. And by 2015, from all the antibiotic use, and of course from you know, autoimmune illness, um, I was diagnosed, my liver began to go into failure. I was uh, essentially going into liver death. And then later on in 2015 is when things got really interesting because my immune system was completely tanked at this point. Um, we had, um, we had adopted a cat, and uh, so we, I adopted this cat from a shelter. Um, as my husband can attest, any time he used to go away with the military, I'd get a new cat. <laughs> um, so he'd come home to new cats. But um, <laughs> uh, so I adopted this cat, and I, the cat accidentally scratched me. And uh, then I got really sick, and it got real weird after that. So I started to get swollen glands and uh, strange stretch marks all over my body and gained a ton of weight out of nowhere. And so I went to the doctor. I was like, wait a minute, like something's super wrong here. Like, I don't know what's going on. And uh, the only reason I was able to half figure it out is I have a friend who studies microbiology. So I sent that person photos, and I was like, do you know what's going on with me here? <laughs> like, this doesn't look right. And uh, so they, uh, we were talking, and they're like, well, I've grown that in a lab. I know exactly what that is. That's cat scratch disease. You have an infection from your cat. And so then I went back to my doctor, and uh, I always, when approaching doctors, I always go for peer-reviewed research, because they don't care what Dr. Oz says, and rightly so, right? You need to have actual peer-reviewed research to give to your doctor. So I looked up as much as I could, and I gave it to my doctor, and I said, I think this is what's wrong with me right now. And so, of course, they tested me, and I tested positive uh, for a bacteria called Bartonella hensili. And where this is important is because it's a zoonotic infection. And zoonotic infections, what that means is it's an infection that normally starts with animals, and over time, it has mutated to become a part of the human population and the human spread of disease. Um, but why it's important that it start with animals is our immune system isn't patterned to deal with those type of infections. It has no means to fight that type of infection on its own. And uh, for a normal person, like if you got scratched by your cat, you might have a fever, might get a little bit of a rash, and then it's going to go away. You, you'll just think you had the flu, there'll be nothing of it. I got extremely sick, and it was that happening that made one of the specialists realize that something was wrong with me. So that specialist said, you know, to get that sick, there's something already wrong with you. You must already have a systemic infection of some sort. And uh, so then he looks at me and he says, um, whatever happened to uh, you testing for Lyme disease in 03? Like, because he looked all the way back in my chart. Um, to back up a little bit, I actually had to be referred by AHS to the United States because my case was too complex for here. Um, so uh, the infectious disease specialist was like, did they do anything about your Lyme disease infection in 2003? And I said, I didn't know I had a Lyme disease infection in 2003. Please enlighten me. And uh, 
He's like, they must have missed it on your testing, but he's like, you, you got Lyme disease from your initial tick bite, and unless Lyme disease is treated, it will continually live in your body because your immune system has no means to fight it. It can't kill it. It has nothing to compare it to. You have no memory T cells to attack it. Um, so that stayed in my body, uh, ruining internal organs, creating autoimmune illness for many years until it was found in 2015. So I, I want to also say that as I was figuring all this out while I was sick, I went to over 27 specialists. So you can imagine what that's like to constantly be sitting in all of these offices and all these people with like walls full of degrees, not having the faintest idea of what's going on with you while you feel like you're dying. So it's, uh, I started to become, um, I, I had to become my own advocate. I started reading, like I studied biology in school and I really loved it, but you're never so interested in science as when you're trying to save your own ass. <laughs> so. Uh, it really renewed my passion in science because I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I have two zoonotic infections and that does not look good. Um, so I ended up retesting for Lyme disease and was still positive for that. Um, so it put me in the unique position of having two zoonotic infections. Not a great thing to have. <laughs> I was very, very sick. There was days I couldn't get out of bed. There was days I couldn't move. Um, and uh, I had to keep advocating for myself. The only reason I got into the specialist that I did is because I'm loud and annoying. <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, and I refused anything but to be sent home. I just started to get to the point where it's like, if you don't have the answers, then you need to find someone who does. And that's the thing I want to impart with people is if you're going to the physicians and they keep saying, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, then you need to say, you're going to figure it out. That's your job. And you're going to send me to someone. If you can't figure it out, then you're going to send me to the next person and the next person and the next person until someone does. Um, so I was very fortunate that I did have two specialists who were like, this is beyond what I'm able to understand. Um, I have a very good primary care position as well, and I'm very grateful that I was able to be referred to an infectious disease specialist in the US, um, because had those two infections gone untreated in my body, um, it, can, it can lead to death in, uh, in many cases. Um, so as things <laughs> went on and I got treated, so um, I guess what's maddening for me about being misdiagnosed is had this been caught early, so when I first brought that tick in, it's quite likely that I would have only needed six weeks of doxycycline and then I would have been better. And uh, instead I went from 2003 to 2015 losing parts of organs, um, going through numerous surgeries, um, numerous neurological conditions, having seizures, having tremors, um, and having to function like that. And then feeling the amount of guilt because I'm a, I'm a very determined and I'm a, I'm a go-getter, right? I've always gotten things done in life and I'm you know, about moving forward. And so I lived with this tremendous amount of shame and guilt that I couldn't get up in the morning and I couldn't do what other people could do and I couldn't keep commitments anymore. And uh, early on, initially I lost my career for a bit because I couldn't function. And um, you know, the funny thing about working in social services as much, uh, you know, as much as it's toted as a compassionate field, um, it's really not. And that's not a factor of the people working in it per se, it's a factor of the, when you're constantly out of funding and people are needing to work 60-hour work weeks, they can't afford to have anybody sick. So I was given, you know, great advice, like, do yoga and you'll feel better. <laughs> um, 
And I was like, I don't think yoga is going to help this. <laughs> um, and the funny thing at the time is I was exercising five days a week, right? I, you know, I kept moving. So I was like, if I don't keep moving, I'm going to get sicker. And so getting advice like do yoga was um, not exactly helpful. <laughs> Um, I was very fortunate because I kept advocating and advocating and I couldn't keep affording to go um, to the US for treatment and so I asked around and uh, I asked to be referred to the best clinician in Alberta. I'm like, look, you know, I've been you know, sitting with misdiagnosis since 2003 and I think I deserve to have treatment. I think it's about time. And uh, so I was very fortunate. I was um, referred to the Lyme disease clinic at the Calgary South Health campus um, with one of the foremost speakers on Lyme disease. Um, my specialist is absolutely amazing. And then that's where my life started to turn around. So, and still frustrating for me, right? Because now I had to go on pretty much toxic levels of antibiotics in order to get better and multiple, like, so I was on three to four combinations of antibiotics at the same time plus having to take immune modifiers and cancer medication um, just to settle down my immune system. So there was points during my treatment, it took about two years of very intense treatment and medications um, and just being utterly sick to start to get a function of getting better. And my specialist was amazing because he didn't promise me the world. He just said, you know, with how long you've had this in your body, he's like, you're never gonna be 100% again. He's like, the girl that you knew that got sick, you're never gonna see her again. But what I do promise you is if you keep working as hard as you do, you're gonna see at least 60 to 70% improvement. And uh, he was true to his word. You know, I'm, I'm still, I'm functional. I'm not well, I'm never gonna be well again, um, but I'm functional. And uh, so I started to see, you know, vast improvements. I was getting, my energy was getting better. Things were going well. Um, and then this year I had quite a major setback in, um, I ended up going to my local hospital a total of 17 times with, um, I started to have really severe symptoms. My kidneys were hurting all the time, like a kind of pain I can't even describe. And I, I kept going to my ER. It was a total of 17 times that I went to my ER and they kept saying, oh, well, so the funny thing is before you have Lyme disease, no one wants to diagnose you with it. And then once you have Lyme disease, they attribute every symptom you have to Lyme disease, so you can't win. <laughs> when you're trying to get diagnosed, you can't di get diagnosed, and then once you have it, everything, like global warming is attributed to whatever, right? It doesn't matter what's going on, they will attribute it to the fact you've had Lyme disease. So I went 17 times to my ER, and then on the last time, I demanded that I have imaging, because I'm like, my blood work always looks great, but clearly things aren't great, so could you do some imaging and see what's going on in there? So they went back and they did an MRI, and I knew when they came back that something was immediately wrong. You can always, you know, doctors try to have a poker face, but you know, when you see your 50th person per day, I'm pretty sure, you know, by the time you get to the 100th person, you're probably like, yeah, you're dying, sorry, and walk out. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine, but uh, when they saw me, I knew something was wrong, and then that's when they told me that I had a tumor in my kidney, um, and they couldn't tell me what it was. So me being me at this point, had a lot of things go wrong <laughs> at this point. So I said, how about you refer me to Calgary to some people that are going to know because I don't have time for not knowing anymore. I wasted a lot of my life with not knowing. Um, so I was sent to Calgary. 
Um, and fortunately, my Lyme disease specialist prior uh, to opening the Lyme clinic was a nephrologist, which means he specializes in kidneys. Now that's pretty lucky, really. Um, so he took one look at my scan and uh, he's like, you need to be hospitalized immediately. You're extremely ill and we need to get, you know, we need to get you better. Um, so through, through testing, I found out that the tumor was malignant and that I had, in fact, had renal cancer. And uh, in uh, doing that testing, um, there is a direct link between, getting re between having the um, bacteria Bartonella henselii, cat scratch disease, there's a direct link between that and kidney lesions causing renal cancer. So not only did my initial misdiagnosis cost me years, it also uh, led to me prematurely having cancer. I have a type of cancer um, that normally people don't see until they're in their 70s or 80s. It's very uncommon to have it at my age. So that's just one of the overarching effects of having a zoonotic infection. Some of the other um, uh, things that happened, so due to that I did lose half of my right kidney in February and uh, found out that I also have congenital defect in my kidneys. So my future quite likely could look like transplant or, or uh, dialysis. I'm trying to hold on until then and keep as much kidney function um, for as long as I can. So I went through that surgery and I had an I have an amazing surgeon and oncologist, so that was a huge setback this year. And, um, and now I'm on the other side of that again. So people think you know, misdiagnosis isn't a big deal, but the thing is it costs the healthcare system hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. When you think of the 27 specialists I went to and what that got billed to Alberta Health Services. Um, also, when you think of the fact in Alberta, we use testing kits for Lyme disease where it actually says on the testing kit not to be used for diagnosis. Just take a moment to think about that, if you would. There's better technology out there. We're just not funded for it. So my doctor actually sent my blood work to, even though I was positive in Alberta, uh, he sent my blood work to a, a better lab than what we have, um, just to be sure um, of the strain of Lyme disease I had so we know what we were treating. Because what made it a little bit more complicated for me is I've spent a lot of time overseas as well. So there's quite a few strains of Lyme disease I could have had. So they had to make sure um, that it was one that they could treat with the antibiotics they were using. Um, so misdiagnosis costs a lot of money and it has a psychological toll. Um, again, you know, I spent over a decade just feeling guilt and shame and absolutely terrible about myself and I was always working against my body to succeed. I was working against my body to have good grades. I was working against my body to succeed as a professional. I was working against my body to have relationships. It was always like I was in a relationship with myself, my body, and everything I had to do on the outside. And uh, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to function when you're already ill. Like think about the time you've had the worst flu in your life where you couldn't get out of bed and you're like, I'm just gonna lay here until things get better. That's how I feel every single day of my life and I don't have the time to just lay down until things get better. Life still has to go on and I still have to live. And my specialist attributes a lot of my healing to the fact that I do keep going. Um, I didn't just give up and lay down. But some of the things I wanna talk about in terms of how you can advocate for yourself, um, it is okay in Alberta, a lot of people are afraid to get you know, a second opinion. You are allowed to get as many, as many opinions as you need until you arrive at a diagnosis and it is absolutely your right to ask for that. 
If a doctor doesn't know, then you ask for one that does. And if that one doesn't know, then you ask for one that does. And if you run out of people in Alberta that, uh, that just don't know, then it is within your right to ask for a referral to another country that does. Um, and it's also within your right to ask Alberta Health Services to pay for that. <laughs> um, and a lot of people just sort of give up right after they get the first misdiagnosis. And a lot of people die on waiting lists because they just frankly get way too tired to fight, right? And uh, so I wanna encourage you, if you're a caregiver of somebody, um, you may need to take up that fight, which means you may need to seek out friends that have knowledge in science. You may need to get peer-reviewed medical um, information. And why I stress peer-reviewed medical information is there's a lot of people with my illness who take hundreds of supplements per day to get better. And your ability to um, absorb what you're taking depends on how healthy your liver is. And the more you take, the less healthy your liver gets. Um, so a lot of people are taking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in supplements that their body isn't even absorbing. So they basically just have really expensive pee and nothing's happening. <laughs> um, so it's very important that you get proper information. And I understand it's frustrating with something like Lyme disease because there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunists out there that are like, we can cure you with this powdered spider dust or whatever it is. And uh, people, you get so desperate that you're willing to fall for anything, right? I know people are sticking coffee up their butts because someone told them that that was a cure for Lyme disease. I would highly recommend don't stick coffee up your butt. It's, it goes in here. Um, so you have to be very careful where you get your advice from. Um, my rule of thumb is if someone is making money off you being sick, don't go to that person. If they're selling stuff in their office to you, that's not the person you need to go to. If they're directly profiting from keeping you ill, you need to not go to that person um, and go to someone who is actually willing to help you. And the problem with an illness like this is there isn't a lot of answers. In uh, the case of someone like me who has late stage Lyme disease, and I have now what's called post-treatment Lyme disease, meaning that I was treated too late, so I will always have permanent symptoms. So there isn't a lot of answers and that's frustrating. People want a quick solution. There is no quick solution uh, when, you're, when you're sick. A lot of it is you have to keep moving. Even if you can only walk for a minute, you go walk for a minute. You've got to keep that body moving. You have to keep your blood flowing. You've got to drink water. Um, I always say I'm a plant now. I drink water. <laughs> drink a lot of water. Um, you know, keep to your medication schedules. A lot of people are just like, oh, I hate feeling sick from the meds, and they stop them after a week. Not an option. You've got to keep to your medication schedule regardless of what your illness is. Um, and you have to be persistent with doctors. Remembering too that they're humans, right? You might be the 150th person they saw that day and they're just over it. So, uh, you know, you have to really advocate for yourself. And um, I didn't do a slideshow today because it felt impersonal for me to be doing a slide on my life, but I will leave the offer open that if you, you know, are struggling and you need information, uh, come see me afterwards. I'll happily give you my email. I can give you a list of resources and a list of doctors that may help you. Um, if you uh, are struggling with Lyme disease or find you know you have symptoms that uh, coincide with Lyme disease, um, I'm, I'm happy to give you information to put you in the right direction. But the bottom line is you can still live well while not feeling well. And um, I don't believe in inspiration porn. I'm not standing up here saying that illness is the best thing to happen in my life. Um, I would much rather that it never happened to me. I would have much rathered that from age 23 on that I got to experience all the wonderful things I did free of illness, um, but that wasn't my path. So I believe that you can assign meaning to things and make things 
better and the way I do that is by trying to educate and trying to give hope where people feel hopeless. Um, now as a cancer patient, um, I've learned a lot about you know, what it means to have your mortality, what it means to be living with you know, limited time and um, that's really accentuated for me that it's really important just to keep living no matter what's going on for you you could be perfectly healthy and your time could be up tomorrow right so a lot of people they get sick and they give up long before they're ready to go and uh, that's that's not my path and i hope it's not yours either so i'm hoping that um i'm open to questions afterwards again i'm not a physician but i do have some insight on you know how to get help um, and what symptoms are so if you have questions specific to that or if there's questions that you want to ask me via email more privately i'm more than happy to give my email out to you um, thank you everybody